Welcome to season two of the Grind Season Podcast. I'm your host, Saint. We're going to get right into it here. Last time we spoke, um, I talked about the Adele album. I talked about the Kendrick album that's upcoming. I actually have some up right before we talk about The weekend, which is obviously what we're going to do. So that dropped three days ago, the Dawn FM drop. So we're going to talk um, a little bit about that. But before that, I just want to update everyone on the Kendrick situation. So he has posted a countdown on uh, OKLAMA2022.com. It's, I don't. <clears throat> it's just a bunch of numbers, like it doesn't have a date, but there is a countdown. So we have confirmation finally on the Kendrick album, his last album with TDE. And so that's cool. That's the update on that. Um, it actually, it took a while for people to get in tune with that, to realize that. Because I saw someone, some rap blog on Instagram posted it. I don't know if it was records, if it was at rap, something like that. But they posted it first and then the Kendrick subreddit wasn't talking about it. I didn't see anyone mention on on any of the music discords, nothing like that. So, it's yeah, it took a minute for people to realize. Like, I I don't know how Kendrick announced it. Maybe it was Twitter or something. I'm not sure. But yeah, so I found out about that. I let everyone know. So that's what's going on with the Kendrick album. And um, you know, as for Adele, I, we're gonna talk about the weekend right now. But as for Adele, this didn't seem like uh, like albums in the past. Like I haven't heard. The, any Adele tracks on the radio except for the old ones of course it's I don't know it's, it just seems like I mean I thought it was a good album but I feel like it didn't do as well commercially I don't, I don't even know where it is at on the charts right now I think other than Apple Music charts because I think it's on three on the iTunes charts three or four um, which is obviously good since it dropped like a month ago but just on Adele standards you know which is I don't know it's interesting I could I could be tripping. Maybe it's like number two, but that's my impression of it. I haven't just just in relation to what she's done in the past. I haven't seen as much like post album drop hype. But that's that's just my analysis. But anyways, Don FM dropped three days ago, three or four days ago. Now I waited till midnight. I opened the shit immediately. I was playing it. Um, it dropped at midnight. I was playing it by twelve oh one. I was listening to it and like talking with. <clears throat> talking with a friend like wow like we we're listening to it simultaneously like giving each other our thoughts on it and um so let's let's just like say let's just break it down okay for a minute um it starts off i think there was the intro and then gasoline so my first impression was gasoline it's a very like it's a very unconventional song as far as um hip-hop as far as r&b goes so i wasn't and to be honest i wasn't feeling it like i was like what the fuck is this right um, I haven't gone back to it since. I don't know how I would feel about it um, at this present moment, but yeah, just it's it's just an interesting one to start the album off for me personally. I know a lot of people who enjoyed it, a lot of people who admit it's unconventional but do enjoy it, and that's you know that's all good, right? Um, at the end of the day, it's subjective. But that was that was gasoline was a really weird one to me, and then as the album moves on, there was a couple tracks between. Um, track six, which is A Tale with Quincy. So between Gasoline and A Tale with Quincy, um, there just wasn't that many memorable songs for me. I gotta be honest. I, I couldn't even, I'm pretty sure Sacrifices. Sacrifices there, but other than that, I don't think I can name you a song from that, from that range. And yeah, so when, when we were listening to it, um, like I wasn't, there wasn't something immediately that jumped out to me until, uh, Quincy Jones came on. 
because I knew so the weekend announced ahead of time that Quincy Jones was going to speak on that on the record, and you know in my age group I'm the only one that fucking knows who Quincy Jones is. Quincy Jones is right, but um, and side note, apparently Rashida Jones is his daughter, which I had no fucking clue until I until I googled him after because I was just curious. I looked down his Wikipedia a bit and it says Rashida Jones is his daughter. I'm like that's interesting, but yeah, who would have thought, right? I don't know. I guess I guess if your dad is famous, you're you're not gonna go around announcing that, right? As an adult, so it makes sense. But it's just interesting that I never knew about that. But yeah. Anyways, um, so when it got to tail with Quincy, I was like starting to pay a little bit more attention. I was starting to get into it a little bit more, and that's track six. And then it, as it fades in, as it transitions to track seven, um, yeah, track seven is my favorite by far. Out of time. It samples um, Midnight Pretenders, which is a, a city pop song, and immediately when the when the synth riff, like three three or four seconds in into Out of Time, when the synth riff comes in, like I knew I had heard it before. I knew it sampled something Japanese. I'd heard it in one of my playlists somewhere, so I was yeah I was into that song. I still I'm I'm yeah that's in my rotation for sure. That'll be there for a while. It's in a couple of my playlists, but. You know, and at, but after that song, I just wasn't feeling a lot of tunes on this track. It's I'm pretty sure it's 16 songs long. Starry Eyes <clears throat> is up there for me, but I, like again, I'm I just wasn't really feeling this record so much at first listen. Um, and it's it was a little it was actually it was very disappointing to me. You know, there there is some good moments on it. Uh, Out of time and Tale with Quincy definitely definitely impress. That's an impressive song by him because I wouldn't see that that sample and that structure coming from him so that's a really nice song for me and just just overall for the whole record i think that songwriting and lyrics was like kind of sacrificed for production because the production um however much it may not be to my like personal taste like because this this record is not really like in the style of something that i enjoy it's a very like roller rink 1982 type of thing <clears throat> but just just um from a purely like analytical standpoint the production is good like i can I, like as an artist i and I, I um i admire that right but yeah just i just as a listener i just wasn't feeling this record all, all that much i got to tell you but and of course that being said as i already said out of time outstanding track outstanding just the hook is <clears throat> you know he's always done this so on a hook of that song he just I don't know if it's Elangelo, if uh, Abel, if Abel has something to do with the the mixing or whatever, if he's in the studio, I don't know. But they, the way they just layer the hooks. <clears throat> I can give you another example. Um, off uh, House of Balloons in 2011, he had Coming Down, right? Off House of Balloons. And the the chorus on Coming Down, it's layered in such a way that it, it just it's just like fucking cocaine to your ears if you know what i mean like it's just so good just when the hook comes on it's like ah shit you know what i mean and so out of time <clears throat> that's a it's a track like that for me just the the way they layer the vocals on the chorus is just so good coming down did that and there was another one in house of balloons i th i guess the knowing had that too i'm pretty sure like most of the songs on there the the morning too the morning oh my god yeah the vocal layering on the morning—that's like one of the most um, outstanding production. One of the most, yeah, one of the most outstanding cases of 
just superb production on the House of Balloons record for me. And that's a mixtape. That's which is crazy to think. Like this guy, this bro, his mixtapes were better than most R and B artists' best album. Let's get out. Let's get that out of the way. House of Balloons, fucking phenomenal. Is actually so good. It's just the way he builds it up and the way there's like a narrative and it's like fucking grimy and it's and you can like picture it even though he's not providing a a description for the environment or any aesthetics beyond the name house of balloons you can like you get a image in your mind just through the lyrics and his tone and it's the the delivery of what he's saying and just the production it's all very cohesive there's a lot of different sounds but it's all very cohesive at the same time so that's just that's one of my favorite mixtapes of all time any genre all time dead or alive house of balloons i have it on vinyl actually i'm looking at it right now it's on the shelf i have i bought it um downtown at sonic boom so i don't know about y'all city i don't know where you're listening to this from but in toronto we have like a couple record stores left there used to be tons back in the day of course just like any city um now there's no H- hmv doesn't exist anymore that was on young street young street is like the main street that runs through toronto um so we there's like a couple i want to say off the top of my head there's like there's like a dozen record stores in the city which is mad so yeah i have to go downtown to buy any record um i know in new york there's a lot more i'm pretty sure yeah even in manhattan alone there's probably more but I've never gone record shopping in any other city, but yeah, yeah, Toronto, they got rid of most of them. Um, yeah, so they're all downtown, not very accessible, but yeah. Anyways, long story short, they had House of Balloons there. And um, I was looking through the weekend, because I don't know how many of you have ever been in a record store, depending on your age, but they have these um, these like vertical shelves of records that you leaf through, you look for what you want, and... They have a weekend section. So I'm, I'm flipping through the weekend section. There's like After Hours, which is obviously a good album. Starboy, which I already had at that point. And then at, all the way at the back, I see this House of Balloons. I'm like, no way. I didn't even... See, at the time, I didn't even know they pressed that shit on vinyl. Because that's... this. Is, keep in mind, this is an album from 2011. And it's not an album. It's a mixtape. So the songs are on um, Spotify's trilogy. And then he... After this story takes place, he uploaded House of Balloons, like the original mixes, to streaming services. But at the time, it wasn't there, and I didn't know they pressed this mixtape because it is a mixtape, and it has. I didn't know they made vinyls for it. Maybe it was a, <coughs> excuse me. Maybe it was a, a tenth anniversary thing. I'm not sure, but regardless, I bought it. I don't know if it's new or not. Uh, I can't tell, cause it plays fucking perfectly. But yeah. It's just excellent record. It sounds crazy on on vinyl, but my record player is kind of... Hey, man, listen. I was down by the time I bought it for like 80 bucks off Amazon or whatever. It's it's whatever. It's honestly not that good, but I have a nice speaker system. And yes, yeah, so I have that. And I also have Starboy by him. I got that at the same place. Sonic Boom. Shout out Sonic Boom. Spadina, Spadina Avenue, downtown. Uh, if you're ever visiting Toronto or whatever, check that out, but... Yeah, so overall for this Don FM record, I'm just I'm feeling like a like a six out like a not even I'm feeling like a five out of ten. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Abel. You got to come harder than that. And I will say, as a pop record, as a pop record, it's great, fantastic. As a pop record, I would rate it higher. But and 
I'm not saying he's an R&B artist. There's, I'm not, I'm not going to put a label on him. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. Um, but just as someone who just fucks with uh, the mixtape so much and Kisslant and Beauty Behind the Madness, I just like, this is a step in the, in a direction that I don't have an interest in. But of course the mixtapes came from like a very real place for him, like sonically and, uh, and lyrically. And I'm just, just as like a, as a fan, I'm, I'm content that he is happier than he was 10 years ago. Just, just based on the music, it's very much a happier vibe. So in that sense, yeah, good for him. But musically it's whatever. Yeah. I'm feeling a five out of 10. We'll wait for what fucking, uh, Anthony Fantano has to say. He always has some garbage takes. Oh, he, this Anthony Fantano, that's an, bro. This guy like hates J. Cole. He, for some, he's never rated a project highly. I don't know if he did one for the off season. I'm sure he thought it was shit. Um, I know for uh, Forest Hills Drive, he gave it something shit. Uh, for your eyes only, whatever the the next one wants. Kod, I don't. Yeah, he doesn't like Cole. Of course, he gives Kendrick, and Kendrick, I will say, is better. You know what? Here's the thing with Cole fans. They all think like Cole and Kendrick are even, and I am more of a fan of Cole than I am of Kendrick. Let's get that straight. But the the difference is Kendrick is better. I understand that Kendrick is better. I'm also a fan of Kendrick. I like Cole more. That's just my preference. But I understand that Kendrick is overall a more talented, at least we can say more talented lyricist, more talented writer. I can admit that as a Cole fan. Um, yeah, like as much as I like Cole, I got to say like Cole doesn't have a record like To Pimp a Butterfly. He doesn't even have one like uh, Good Kid, Mad City. But then there's the flip side of that. And then Kendrick fans like are confused why people conflate the two. Like, oh, Cole's not even near his level. Okay, let's relax. He is near his level. He's close to his level. And the reason for that is there's not a lot of like people that you could consider lyricists that are still in the game. You know, um, all those guys from the 90s that are active in the 90s, mostly not mostly not making music anymore, with the exception of making music on a large scale, a large platform. With the exception of Nas, Nas's uh, newer albums tended to do well in comparison with guys who also made music around that time in the 90s. Nas does, Nas does pretty well still, but yeah, man. It's just, it's getting rough out here for them. And then there's Eminem. Eminem is still... I think Eminem has a album coming out, and I gotta say, Eminem's music has just gotten so corny for me in the like the past ten years, like recovery onwards. Whatever was re- before recovery, it was corny in a different way. It's corny in a funny way. After recovery, this guy's just on some bullshit about. And with the track with Lil Wayne, No Love, that one's hard to this day. That one's hard, but it's just a lot of it has just aged so poorly, and then you get into his recent stuff the um kamikaze music to be murdered by it's just kind of like watered down lyrical soup you know what i mean and you know a lot of his i will i won't say his fans i'm gonna say more logic fans and i'm not gonna call anybody out but people in the demographic of logic fans seem to have this weird idea where they where they relate lyricism lyrical miracle style to rapping like however good you are at the lyrical miracle stuff that's how good of a rapper you are which is totally false you know it has a lot 
more to do with lyrics and that's coming from someone who likes lyrical rappers i got which i don't like logic but <laughs> no you know one like logic around here but um yeah yeah that that kind of mindset is just very it keeps you it prevents you from enjoying a whole lot of music that might not be as lyrical but sometimes it's just about the vibe sometimes i don't want to do homework while i'm listening you feel me i just i just want to i just want to vibe and that all that being said i still can't listen to uzi let me get this straight. Anyone who's listening right now, if you're if you if your favorite rapper is Uzi, bro, you know you know what I mean. Like I know music is subjective, but some music is just ass. I mean, you remember when uh, Eternal a Take dropped, and that was that was hyped up to fuck, right? Man, I, I remember just being so disappointed listening to that. Like the whole record is the same shit. Silly watch, silly watch is um catchy. And I don't remember any other song from that record. I just remember Silly Watch because we used to sing it. But yeah. And I think that's... Oh, I was going to say that's his last album. And that was 2019 or 2020. But he did do that one with the future, I think. Anyways, long story short, man. Don't continue that shit about Uzi. Same thing with Playboy Cardi. I know a lot of people who fuck with Playboy Cardi like heavy. Like they're waiting for this guy's album so midnight as if he was the weekend. Like... I respect everybody's opinion. You want to listen to Cardi, go listen to Cardi. Better than Cardi B, that's for sure. But I just, you know, Dial It, the thing with Dial It, why I respect it more than his other work, more than a uh, whole lot of red, is because sonically it's a very experimental thing. It's a risky thing in terms of overall hip hop and the scene at the time. He's taking a risk in terms of overall, you know, what are people gonna think? Stuff like that. So that's that's interesting to see. But you know, he has he has his camp, he has his fans, and so Dialet was interesting. And then a whole lot of red comes around, and it's just like, bro, this guy's getting carried by his beats. And when the beats are subpar, then the whole thing is just gonna be subpar. Cause there's a difference between not being lyrical and just saying random shit, like not even speaking English on the mic. You feel me? Like there's a difference between just having basic, uh, fuck your bitch in the back of a caddy type of bars. And then having lyrical bars, <laughs> sorry, sorry for that. That's just the first thing that popped in my head, my bad, my bad. But And then just like non-lyrical garbage spewing forth from your mouth. And that's Cardi. So logic is lyrical soup. Just it's a jumbled mess of words that you can't, there's no like semblance in, like you can't pick anything out. It's just so fast. It's so bad. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry if there's any logic fans. I'm just object, like I'm saying I'm objectively shitting on you. Listen, I know it's not objective. All music is subjective, but logic is ass. All right, and then Cardi to me is like the polar opposite. He's like, there's no words. These aren't words. These are just sounds. He's carried by the production, and when the production was iffy, as we saw in Whole Lot of Red, then it just the whole thing he just gets hated on. It it just falls apart. So we're waiting for a narcissist right now. I sure as shit won't be listening to it. I'm sorry. I hope anyone who does enjoys it. Hope it's good. Hope it's better than a whole lot of skips, but we'll see. Time will tell. All right, so I'm sorry for that off the top bar. That was really f- whack. My bad. <laughs> I can't freestyle. That's that's sure as fuck. I cannot freestyle. I've tried improving in the past, but yeah, it takes real talent. And you know what? While we're at it, while we're talking about freestyling, Y'all need to hop off Juice World's dick about the freestyling. Listen, I get it. Freestyling for eight hours, whatever, is 
insane. I get it. He's a good at freestyle and coming up with stuff off the dome. I get it. You can shut up about it now. All right. It's we yeah we all know we've all seen it in every Instagram comment section, every Twitter comment section, every YouTube comment section since he passed away. Unfortunately, with the with that whole situation, and may he rest in peace. God rest his soul. But you guys need to shut up about the freestyling now. All right, because there's a lot of artists that can do almost the same thing or the same thing at the same level or at almost the same level. This is not some extraordinary thing that you only see once in a lifetime. Yes, it's extraordinary, but it, the, bro, Juice WRLD fans talk about it like this, like it's life or death or something. And I understand liking an artist that much. I get it, but when it's just shoved down your throat constantly in any discussion of any freestyle ever, it just gets so tiring to hear. That being said, rest in peace, Juice WRLD. Talented guy. But yeah, come on, guys. It's in, it's in I swear, any discussion about freestyling it's always yeah man rp juice this guy was the greatest freestyler of all time like bro all right man yes rest in peace but i don't have much more to say about that and i don't want to shit on shit on that guy too much um i remember when lucid dreams was popping i knew his name that's why I, i knew his name from that song and then i didn't hear it again until he passed away um okay i'm gonna stop i'm gonna stop shitting on him um what were we going to move on to? Oh, yeah. So I, I also want to talk about Toronto rap today. Um, and just and just how does The weekend fit into that? Because obviously he's not a rapper. But just in hip-hop in general, how does he fit into that? And, like, who listens to him in this city? So, obviously, when it was Drake who kind of put him on. Obviously, he was linked up with Elangelo. I don't know how, how much in the scene Elangelo was at the time, but... And Jeremy Jeremy Rose and all that. That was this. We're talking like 2010, 2011, 2012. But Drake, um, he was on Kissland, I think. He, whatever uh, mixtape or album The Zone is on, Drake is on that record. Drake is on that joint. Um, and they started working together. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So I don't want to say it was Drake that put him on though, because I'll explain the situation. So um, apparently. The weekend gave up like half of his record for Take Care, and then in turn, Drake is not like f- not Drake doesn't like fully admit that the weekend wrote anything, even though he wrote like quite a few uh, joints on there on Take Care, which is arguably Drake's best album. It's up there with Nothing Was the Same and the one where it's like a suicide note on the fucking cover. I don't know, but yeah, just like you can ask any Drake fan, that's up there. Take Care is up there with Drake's best work. All right. So the fact that Drake wouldn't um, just openly admit that The Weeknd had a large part to play in it and that the that he came up with the style first is just a little off-putting to me. I'm sure it's a little off-putting to The Weeknd. I don't know if he's commented about it before. I know Drake has talked about it, but that's that. So I that's why I'm hesitant in saying Drake put him on, especially locally. Um, I wouldn't go as far as to say he put him on, but Drake was part of it back in the day. So that's how he got introduced, both locally in the world. Drake, in in, uh, you know, with among along with other things. Sorry, I was trying to find the right words. Along with Drake, along with other factors, helped him to get known locally and then internationally. To this, he's hosting a Super Bowl now, right? So, 
Um, and after that, he dropped Kissland and Kissland. I don't know. Again, I, w- I wasn't tuned into The weekend back then because I wasn't really old enough to listen to his music. We're talking like 2012, but which is like 10 years ago now, which is crazy to think about. But yeah, <laughs> so Kissland dropped. And then, so Beauty Behind the Madness is really where, it, like, mainstream everything. He was just, because there was some joint, Earned It. I think Earned It may be one of his most popular songs still to this day. Huge song. And then The Hills. So he's just blowing up left and right. And then he drops Starboy. Solidifies everything with Starboy. He, you know, he's here to stay. Then he drops My my Dear Melancholy after a while. And that's kind of like, it was, it was pretty good. It was all right. And then After Hours. After Hours blew everything out of the fucking water. This guy's, next thing you know, this guy's, it's, it's like what? It's like 10 years later. This guy's hosting, he's doing the Super Bowl halftime show. You know what I mean? So, so now we're here. And it's like, where does that fit in with Toronto, the scene as a whole? And I feel like a lot of people, obviously he's not a rapper. And a lot of people don't see him that way. Maybe back in the day, we would have he would have been brought up in conversations about Toronto rappers. Just because the scene wasn't as, um, I don't want to say, I was about to say prolific. And we'll, I'll tell you why I won't say that in a minute. But as um, it doesn't have as much volume in terms of sheer numbers of content being made as today so we might have mentioned him in that way in the past not anymore he's definitely he's always been an r&b artist he and as of now he's definitely always brought up in discussion as an r&b artist and not a rapper and you know yeah so i'll tell you why i don't want to say prolific um and a lot of people would agree me would agree with me outside of the city and in the city on this like at least half of Toronto rap being made right now is shit. And I'm not talking about... Let's make an important distinction right here. I'm not talking about rap made in Toronto. I'm talking about that specific style of singing with autotune over a piano trap beat. Or over a like a semi-drill beat, right? And then music video with shorties showing their asses and like fake guns, all right? I'm talking about that kind of music. A lot of people would agree it's shit. And one of the main reasons why it's so popping locally is because we don't have anything else to support locally. Because the guys like The Weeknd, Drake, Tory Lanez, even Nav now, they're not, you know, they're mainstream now. That's Yes, that's always going to be our guys. They're from Toronto, but like, we can't support them in an underground way because they're not underground. Nav is definitely is mainstream now. Maybe the conversation would have been different two albums ago, but he's definitely mainstream now. For better or worse, you know. And then, obviously, Drake, one of the biggest artists in the world. The Weeknd now, one of the biggest artists in the world, at least in Western music. Um, I don't know. I don't know what shit they got popping out there in Russia. If there's a Russian... I quit. If there's any Russians that ever listen to this, you want to hit me up on Instagram, let me know about some... Russian R&B. I'm very curious if that even exists. I want to know. But yeah. Anyways, um, we have Houdini, who is, I want to say, about to blow. I don't know if he had an, like, an upcoming record deal, but he was about to blow. And then uh, he, he was shot downtown. Rest in peace. We also had Smoke Dog, who had um, a couple huge songs. Obviously, everyone knows Trap House. That was that summer. I feel like it was... Summer 2019, everyone everyone knew this song. And then, um, rest in peace to him too. So a lot of them, 
there was there's actually a documentary on on YouTube that's it's called like the City of Fallen Rappers or some shit because a lot of, like I'm sorry to say like a lot of a lot of the young rising talent here dies before they get a chance to be uh, before the music industry at large and before the Americans have a chance to see what they're all about and and you know decide whether they're gonna whether they're gonna blow and that's that's really sad you know. And we have Duvi, who was on a very good run for a while. Duvi, uh, it seems like the quality has taken a dip. I don't know if he's dropped a mixtape album since his, since whenever his last one was yet. Um, since Nightmares dropped, since Demons. I, so I actually really like really like the song Demons by Duvi. I wasn't fucking with Nightmares or the second one too much, but yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, the main question is I don't know if he dropped a mixtape or album. With those songs on it yet We'll wait and see And then Northside Benji uh, The album honestly came and went It was a good album He did drop But yeah For me Apart from like Money Showers The album came and went Like a lot of people in the states Aren't really talking about this At a, at a large level So when, when, when I say in the states You can There's only a certain amount You can be po- There's only a certain amount Of rap fans In Canada Not just Toronto In Canada it's a country of like 37 million people, maybe a bit less, and um, maybe a bit more, give or take a million, 37 million, out of those, like, how many are rap fans, right, and out of those rap fans, how many would listen to this, this style of rap, so it's an increasingly small number, and then, so a lot of these guys have to turn to the states to get big, you see Pressa, you know, Pressa's still in the states, Pressa, yeah, he lives in LA, I'm pretty sure right now, so there you go. Uh, that's another one I failed to mention. Yeah, Pressa. I wouldn't say he's underground anymore. He's more mainstream. He's out of the city, right? Um, but yeah, I do wish we would have some more representation for like people who focus a little bit more on lyrics. A.R. Paisley, I would say, but he's kind of like um, he's he has the bad qualities of Logic. He he does have some good songs. He has some catchy songs, but he has some of the bad qualities of Logic without rapping that fast like it's, he's a little bit corny for me subjectively no diss to ar paisley i don't know what's going on but yeah he's a little bit corny that being said i do like uh where he's coming from his his kind of his cadence his energy he's yeah so he's one of the ones in the city that's like a little bit more of the focus is on the words instead of the production uh, in a sense but even saying that like, a lot of the production in the city is trash right now. And I want to be clear, I'm not talking about any individuals, be it producers, rappers, managers, whatever. I'm not talking about individuals. The scene as a whole, we need to do better, right? Just in terms of everything, production, lyrics, we need... Because a lot of people, we... Yeah, we want to be, like, on the levels, like, Atlanta, New York, L.A. Even, like, getting to the heights of Atlanta... Like, we have Drake, okay, but Atlanta has fucking Young Thug, Lil Baby. Like, we don't even have a rapper that... So we have a Young Thug-level rapper, and much, much higher. That Drake is much, much more popular than Young Thug. Okay, that's our first guy. Do we have anyone that's... Excluding Drake, do we have anyone that's as popular as Lil Baby? I don't think so. I don't think Tory Lanez is as popular as Lil Baby. If he was before, he's not anymore. Alright, so there's that to think about. And so I don't know where the scene is going. And there's a lot of discussion about it everywhere. You know, how just just how good are we on a on a 
on a uh, North America sense. I guess on a Canada and U.S. sense. I don't know what's going on with the Mexico rap scene. That's why I don't include it. I don't. I've never heard any Mexican rap. But anyways, um, yeah, like we always try, we always kind of think about like where where do we stand kind of thing. And for me, like close to the bottom, honestly, the best in Canada for sure. But it just just like it's a lot of our scene isn't comparable, isn't comparable to a lot of American scenes to Atlanta, New York, L.A., even Chicago. Right, we're not close because the quality, the quality of the music just isn't there. The numbers that these guys are doing just isn't there. And so, yeah, I guess either one of these guys like Northside Benji, like, like Doovy, like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. One of these guys is gonna need to just take a step up in terms of everything I said, and then they're gonna blow. Or maybe we're just gonna have to wait for someone else to come along. It's one of those situations. But I don't know. And I feel like rap, in comparison to a lot of other things, is very, very localized. And, like, a lot of music, like R&B, pop, whatever, it's just their city or their town. Rap, it comes down to the neighborhood. At some point, someone's going to call it into question, where is this guy from in his city? What's the hood? So that's another thing to think about. And I'm not going to speak on that. Locally, I will not speak on that, but it's just it's just one of those things, you know. I think to for Toronto to be respected on the level of like an Atlanta or a Chicago, it's just gonna need to take a large step up in terms of numbers and in and in quality of the music. But as for now, I don't have fucking answers for you, and I gotta end this shit before it gets like, you know. <laughs> so, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we'll be back at you later this month. Or in February, um, have an excellent evening.